Thank you for tuning in. As always, I'd like to start with this disclaimer. I don't have all the answers, and you don't have all the answers, but the best way to pursue the truth is through open-minded discourse, and I hope to contribute in part to that today with a quick thought. I always mention in my intro that none of us have all the answers, and today's episode is an issue with which I am particularly without all the answers. I'm going to outline a couple of thoughts I have on intellectual property rights, but be wary. For all my complaints, I'm not sure I have any elegant solutions at the ready. I hope that through thinking and talking about this, I can further shape my own opinions, as well as maybe provide a perspective you hadn't considered before. Intellectual property is a very technical topic, but I won't go into huge detail or specificity. IP rights most often come in the form of patents, copyrights, trademarks, and trade secrets. These are legal means to establish ownership of intangible items which people have created. When considering ownership and intellectual property rights, we have to first establish why we have property rights at all, and how we attain them. The basic theory of property rights is necessary to avoid conflict of resources because of their scarcity. If there were no scarcity of a resource, property rights would be unnecessary. Since most, if not all, resources are scarce, however, we establish property rights as a way to prevent, avoid, or resolve conflict. This is where the first failed hurdle jump for intellectual property comes into play for me. Ideas aren't scarce. If you suggest an idea to me, my having it does not mean you have it any less. Even more so, if I come across the same idea on my own as you have had, those are even more separated, even if they are the same. Yet intellectual property rights dictate that the first person to legally register these ideas owns that idea in a monopoly, regardless of the fact that others have those same ideas without depriving the IP holder. We'll touch more on this later, but this would even extend to someone who's found out the same idea on their own. The second principle of property rights we need to understand is how do we obtain them. Some have proposed that we own our labor by extension of owning ourselves, and thus we own the product of our labor. In this way, when we work a field into a farm, we have owned that farm. This justifies the idea of intellectual property rights, as the creation of blueprints for a system for irrigating the soil or a plot line of a movie would then justify the ownership of those ideas since they were created from an individual. I have a problem with this justification for property rights, however, as we wouldn't recognize someone's ownership over a sword if he created that sword from metal that did not first belong to him. Property ownership must first be established by first homesteading, that is, a claim to first usage and maintenance. Otherwise, we just end up with the same kinds of conflict we would have over scarce resources without any property rights. If we create exceptions to this type of establishment of ownership, that often causes unowned resources to be acquirable by others, such as in the case of the creation justification. See, the sword would now be owned by someone who did not first own the metals that were used to create the sword. This would be justified because he created the sword from the metals, even if he first didn't own the metals. This is why first homesteading, a reasonable proof of first usage and maintenance, is paramount to property rights establishment. So back to intellectual property. 
Because ideas as a creation does not grant sole ownership, we're in a bit of a bind with justifying their existence as it relates to scarcity. But the more problematic part of this is the implications that intellectual property rights have on tangible property rights. You see, if you grant an intellectual property right to Johnny, say, to perform his original song in public, Johnny now controls the actual property of everyone affected by that legal right. His monopoly on his idea now controls what you can or can't do with your physical property. He overrides all third parties with whom he has signed no contract. In this way, intellectual property rights actively dilute and interfere with tangible, scarce property rights. Because you are unable to reproduce these ideas, you are prohibited from using your property in your private life in a way you wish to. Even if you have never heard of the original patented idea, and come to some idea of how to create a better computer fan of your own, if that same styling is patented, you are disallowed from using your own objects in that way. Generally speaking, I believe governments should not interfere with citizens' private lives. If what they do enacts no aggression on others, it should be permissible, even if it's not ideal. Intellectual property flies in the face of this idea, however, one concern about abolishing intellectual property rights would be the effect it would have on the new digital age when it comes to digital products such as games, song downloads, movies, etc. Because copying them doesn't take a scarce resource as it merely generates new files. But it's not too hard to fathom a solution. I imagine that companies selling you these products would essentially give you an individual contract in the purchase, which certifies that you will not copy and distribute the product. That solution doesn't give them an intellectual property right over the file you have, they merely establish a contract with you in which you voluntarily engage. They don't take over your physical property involuntarily, like in the case of intellectual property rights. However, I could see the problem, of course, of smaller creative outlets having their ideas completely stolen and then money being made for bigger, more visible companies. So I don't know what the correct answer is. I see lots of issues arising with the abolishment of intellectual property rights as well as them currently existing. It seems like there are lots of difficult situations. Maybe it would be more difficult for creative people to support themselves without intellectual property rights, but in the status quo, there are a lot of silly restrictions that individuals have in the freedom of their own property rights being violated. I mean, if we start being philosophically consistent about intellectual property rights, we might have to start being philosophically consistent with general property rights, and then we'd have to start grappling with the ramifications this has for North American land rights and Native Americans. Being principled can be messy sometimes. Even still, I'm somewhat new to considering this topic, so I don't know how consistent all of this reasoning is in the long run, and I'm very open to learning more and changing my mind, as long as you don't have a copyright on those ideas. Thanks for spending your time on A Quick Thought.